Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers, markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. All right, we have another great episode today for you. We have Clint Wells in the house. Clint, Clint. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Anyway, all right, Clint is, uh, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He is a singer, songwriter, musician, and podcaster. Uh, the reason I'm bringing him on, he actually co-hosts a podcast with Bob Schneider. So Bob has come on the podcast, and we wanted to have Clint on as well. Um, and the name of their podcast is, uh, Are You Okay? I'm Okay. I don't think you're no, I don't think you're okay. I could be better. Something like that. It, it, I messed up the name, but we'll we'll ask Clint about the name and get into that. It's it's kind of hard to remember, but uh, at the same time, really fun too. So anyway, he also has another podcast called uh, Metal Up Your Podcast. So that one's much easier for me to say. So Metal Up Your Podcast. It's a, basically like a Metallica podcast. Really awesome. Uh, he co-hosted it with a guy named Ethan Luck, who is also another uh, you know great musician who's played with all kinds of. Uh, great bands, the OC Supertones, uh, Kings of Leon, and, and Reliant Case, and stuff like that. So they both host uh, that podcast about Metallica, and it's great. Uh, they got a lot, huge fan base. It's been around a while, and you know, check it out if you're into Metallica. Um, you can learn a lot, and it's really, really cool. So um, you know, sit back, enjoy. It's a really great episode. Clint and I just start talking about food and music and. And life, and to be honest with you, they have really great conversations about food in this uh, episode. Um, so, yeah, really genuine guy. He's super sweet and um, just very insightful, um, and just a you know an all-around great guy. I really enjoyed this conversation. I could have asked him a million more questions. So, sit back, enjoy the episode. You know, you're you're a musician. You're an artist. You know, songwriter, singer, father, husband. You know, a lot of things, right? You, you wear a lot of hats. Um, guitarist, you know, um, I, I heard, I'd never heard your music before. And I went and listened to the stuff that you have on SoundCloud. And oh my God, man, like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck? I just wasn't expecting that. I mean, I guess I knew you were going to be amazing. I get right. But I, I don't know, man, just, you know, there's a song you have called Lone Wolf. I really liked that song a lot. Uh, yeah, it was really, I was just blown away, man, by your, your voice. Uh, first of all, that's you singing, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, dude. Holy. I mean, I got a new, a new, you know, list of songs to listen to, dude, which is great. Like, oh, so amazing. Um, so yeah, just really, you know, so people know you do music, they can check you out. If you just Google your name, actually a bunch of stuff comes up, which is which is great. I wish that came up when people Googled my name. It brings up other Patrick Armstrongs, which I hate, like some dude in Michigan that I just need to take out of this world. So, uh, well, <laughs> Clint Wells is a kind of a unique name. And I actually, there used to be a famous like athlete that would come up all the time. And oh, um, really? <laughs> the many hats I wear, athletes, not one. And <laughs> then there was another guy that I found. I don't know why I did this, but I found another Clint Wells on Instagram or Twitter or something like 15 years ago. And yeah. we friends and 
<laughs> and, and he's funny. really different than me. He's pretty religious and he's like a, a, a marathon runner, and, but a real sweet guy. And so he's based out of Chicago. And so for years, I mean, literally years, anytime I was in Chicago, I would, I would shoot him like an Insta, Instagram or Twitter DM or whatever and say, Hey man, you know, you're, you're on the guest list plus whatever. And he never <laughs> never came to a show and uh because i think he was a little weirded out by me at first <laughs> I kind of a precarious online presence or at least i did when i was a little younger. and then the one time i'm talking years of this guy of me saying dude come to the show wherever we're playing and the one year he wrote back he's like hey I, are you really serious because i really am going to come and i was like are you fucking kidding me of course i'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> to tell him when you get there and then he didn't show he didn't show up Oh man! That's when I, I kind of backed off after that. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm giving you too much of my time, Clint Wells. <laughs> You're giving Clint Wells is a bad name, right? If someone like me reached out to me and was like, "Hey, both of our names are Clint Wells. Let's be friends." I would be like excited to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why is that? If someone has your name, there's some sort of uh, connection. See, but I'm the complete opposite from you. Like, you want to be friends with them. I want to eliminate them from the earth. Like, I just want to be the only Patrick Armstrong. Oh, yeah. You know, well, I don't want I don't want others out there ruining, ruining the name. Unless they're badass at right. something, then it's like, keep it going. Because then, then they're looking at me like, I'm the one bringing it down. There's really nothing in between either. Yeah, it's like I either want to be <laughs> best friend and start a volleyball team with you, or I want to murder you and kill you and get you out of competition. Exactly. It's like someone driving and they have your same car. You, you feel a strange kinship with them. And you, maybe you give a little honk and then they don't do that. Like, you dick. <laughs> you even honk for one second and acknowledge that we have the same car. I think it depends what car, because look, I drive around in a Kia Forte and I'm going to tell you right now, they nobody want me honking at them at the stoplight. Like, oh, look, Kia's. Like, <laughs> I drive a Sorrento, so I'm right there with you. If I ever you see got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I would have had a Jeep. That that was that was uh, I found out about the Jeep, you know, family and the right. wave and all that, and it exists. It's real. It's the only vehicle I know of that's truly like, no matter where you are, you can do the Jeep wave. What, that's kind of cool. Change like a knowing nod, or maybe a little half smile. Like, we've been, <laughs> yeah. that's right, dude. That the Kia smirk, you know, we could just have something like that. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, so Clint, look, you do two badass podcasts. First of all, just to have one badass podcast is amazing, but you have two badass podcasts, which is on top of already, you know, an amazing life, uh, you get to lead doing music. So the metal up your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that one is, I, I listened to an episode today, actually very interesting concept. So let me, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is basically like mystery science theater 3000, but like with a live show. It's become that. Yeah. What, what, so it's, it's me and another professional musician, a wonderful guy named Ethan Luck who lives here in Nashville. He was in Kings of Leon and the OC Supertones, a bunch of big bands that people like. Reliant K too. Right. I looked him up. Right. Reliant K and God, Kings of Leon. So he was in Kings of Leon. Well, he has an interesting story. He was the guitar tech for their like backup guitar player guy. And then that guy left and he became the guitar player for about a year. That's and, awesome. Yeah, so he was, he, he kind of got to be in the band, but he's not like one of the brothers. You sure, know? sure. Dude, uh, I mean. We're in the side guy world. So that's kind of what we're used to. We're, we're, that's, that's what our main day jobs are, just side guys for a lot of different artists and bands. But So we, we do a weekly Metallica podcast where we just talk about anything Metallica. And it's you, it. not that mystery science 
uh, 3000 thing you're talking about. But uh, since quarantine sort of happened, Metallica has been putting out weekly like live streams. And because me and Ethan can't be in the same room and life's kind of insane right now, we thought, well, a good way to keep giving our listeners content without having to research like the Black Album again or whatever is we just watch those shows together with running commentary. And then I edit them really quick after it's done and we get them out Monday night so that a lot of our fans won't even watch the Metallica live stream. They'll just watch it when we have our episode uploaded. So it's like they're watching it with a couple of Metallica nerds. So That's what awesome. you've heard in the last couple of weeks is pretty unusual, uh, but it's become the norm just because the world's so strange. I like it. I, I actually liked it a lot because just like you said, you throw on, you know what I mean? You throw on the live stream and listen to you guys and the music. You kind of hanging out with a couple of dudes who know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to the music right. uh, on top of that. Yeah, I think it's a great, it's a great idea um, to be honest with you. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And, and I'm not a metal person, you know, a metal person that sounds so lame to say, right. I don't even know. I don't even know the right terminology to say a metal head. Um, right. You know, I, I, are there songs of Metallica? I enjoy, of course, uh, you know, and when I was younger, um, I listened to them. You know, what's funny is I used to listen to them in middle school, but I hated them, but I only listened to them because my friends listened to them and they liked them so much and they thought they were so cool and so badass. And, you know, we skated and shit. And it was like, oh, you got to listen to Metallica. And I was like, okay, yeah, Master of Puppets. But I really hated them. Like, I didn't like them at all. I hated the music. I would, like, just listen to it thinking, oh, when is this going to end? I just want to, you know, listen to something else. But it was so weird. I have such a weird appreciation for Metallica. I mean, I respect them, obviously, as musicians and, and, and everything they do. Um, they're, you know, legends. Um, but now in my adult, you know, as I became older, really, when I started playing music myself in my early 20s, I really did gain an appreciation for them. I did start to listen to them and I did actually start to like them, um, you know, which is a funny thing. Uh, but why, why Metallica of all of all bands. Well, we were, we, it was a big part of our childhoods. Uh, you know, most of the music that you connect with when you're around 12 and 13 is just music that, you know, for you, it wasn't Metallica, but I'm sure whatever the music was when you were 12 and 13, that's just stuff that will never leave you. It's magic. Sure. Yeah. And both shared that. Although I think what's really interesting about the show is that neither of us are kind of typical metalheads. I mean, we both listen to, Ethan makes reggae music and I listen to a lot of Lana Del Rey and Billie Eilish and, Dylan and and uh, we come we come to the table not as like tribal metalheads but a kind of more um, well-rounded diverse music lovers and Metallica is just part of it. Um, Ethan Ethan had the idea and he wanted me to do it with him and I kept saying no. But sort of <laughs> six months I was like, dude, I don't want to do it because um, I like to make a lot of things. I like to work and I like for the stuff I do to be as good as possible. And I knew that to make a good podcast, as you know, as I'm sure you know, uh, it just takes a lot of time and energy yeah. that people probably would take for granted of like, the, the editing's got to be great, the content's got to be great, well-researched, the marketing and making sure that we have a good push on social media. I just knew that would take time. He finally wrangled me into it. And it basically started as just, we would go to our favorite local bar in Nashville and talk about Metallica all night. We were like, shit, dude, this is basically just the podcast. We should just <laughs> record it and see if people like it. And, you know, we got on board really quick. There weren't many others when we started, maybe one. And then about five cropped up right after us. So kind of like the other Clint Wells of the world, like they're all my buddies and we're get along with them. But I also have a desire to like crush any podcast. <laughs> 
a joke but anyway uh (laughs) but we got a plan together and we and ethan thankfully takes it as seriously as i do and and now we're about four years in and we've we've got this really cool community of listeners and we throw these parties every year that people fly in from all over the country to go to and oh really oh yeah yeah we throw these anniversary parties in january every year in nashville and one year it it coincidentally happened to happen while metallica was playing in town the next day Oh shit party and like a bunch of their crew. We're friendly with a lot of people in their crew now. And you know, we're not like friends with the band or anything. We haven't had them on, but I kind of see them as like the last Zelda boss to get to. It's like fighting Bowser at the end of Mario or something, but, uh, but it's grown into this really big community. And a lot of the people we've met on that journey through that podcast have become legitimate friends of mine in real life. So um, it's been, and, and the further I get into it, the more it does seem weird that it is Metallica for me. I'm like, yeah, I guess I do a Metallica podcast. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, again, they're legends, right? Like, even if you don't like their music, there's no way you can't appreciate them as a band, right? I mean, it's like... Well, they've made uh, so many different kinds of records and reinvented themselves so many times yeah. and had, like, just world-crushing success. So there's actually a lot of interesting stuff there over their 40-year career. Band members coming and going, and one of the band members tragically passed away. You know, yeah. they made... The lead singer has been in the rehab a couple of times. They made an album that everyone hated. Then they made a documentary about the making of that album that everyone loved. You know, it's like, there's a lot to talk about there for real. The Napster, the Napster shit, you know, when, when Napster went down. I mean, they Metallica had a big part in that push, right? To like... They were the only ones that were... Yeah. Publicly, uh, you know, they they received a lot of criticism for that, and it absolutely years later that a lot of what they were banging on about was true and correct, and and came to be. Um, and what do you think of? Well, how do you feel about all that? Like, especially just like you said, is it they they sort of profits in a way because a lot of what they were worried about it, it's it's that's the reality now. I think there was. I think people people are surprising and beautiful and very awesome and stuff. <laughs> But give a bunch of people together and they're not real bright. And there was just a lot of miscommunication, a lot of misunderstanding about like, wait a minute, Lars, he's rich. Why should he, or what are they suing their fans? And it's like, no, they're not suing their fans. They're suing these companies and they're fighting. They're not, they don't care about the money. They're gajillionaires. They're fighting for bands that can't afford to sue these companies. So in a lot of ways, they were going to, to bat for smaller bands. And I thought they were actually advocates for indie indie rock and indie bands all over the world and uh, scorned, especially Lars. He, the drummer, took the yeah. brunt of it. They were an easy target. They were big, bloated, rich rock stars. <laughs> and it was a confusing issue because digital downloading MP3s was such a new thing. People didn't really understand it. And, uh, and yeah, time has kind of justified what they were on about. But like anything, people don't really... It's not like everyone's going, oh, we're sorry, Lars. We were wrong. Everyone's just kind of like, oh, what happened? They they sued who? Whatever. He's an asshole. The end. Totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good way to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely an interesting time with music and how to get the music right, like into your head as opposed to how you used to do it, you know. So like you've been in the music industry for, you know, a long time yourself how have you seen it change for like how people digest music now? Well, the problem with, with money revenue getting out of like actual selling albums, it just caused a strange ripple effect where more bands had to go on the road, which is fine. But the more bands that are on the road, the less options a consumer has to go see. You know what I mean? Like if, oh, if yeah. 
your favorite bands are playing this summer. You can only go see five. Now, 25 of your favorite bands are playing this summer and you can only see three, you know? So, um, that's just gotten really interesting. And it's, it's kind of like what's happening just economically in the country. Anyway, just the middle class of musicians and bands are dying and can't support their art. They can't get in there anymore and pay for the gas or pay for the hotel just to play a club for a hundred people who are hungry for their music. So at this point, the infrastructure just really supports people who are already well off or who are, who are so famous on Instagram or can generate revenue through other means. And it's not really right or wrong. You know, it doesn't really work that way. It's just the way the market is. And I think it is getting better. I mean, companies like Spotify are, are getting a little more hip to having to pay songwriters and publisher and publishing and, and mechanicals on stuff. But there's going to be a big, there was a big fallout. I think a big gap of musicians who just can't, do it anymore and that yeah. that makes me sad and it's, you can't even really measure the impact of something not being there yet you know um so for me personally i've been pretty lucky because i just get paid to play guitar or i get paid through my publishing company to write songs for like film and tv or for country artists and stuff and I, I, not, not that much has changed for me because i've been able to play gigs at a level where the artists i play for are of a stature where they can survive these kinds of changes in the zeitgeist yeah I just worry about what I would have done with the artists I was coming up with when I was in my early twenties, you know, or if I was totally. getting writing in my early twenties, it makes me sad for a, gener a generation of artists and musicians that we won't be able to hear. And I think we need to hear them, you know? So, so is it like, are the days of like a garage band, are those days gone? No, because they, no, because people, you know, like you don't know, they, the young kids don't even know what they're up against. So people are always going to want to get in a garage with their buddies and make music or, you know, these days it's less garage rock and more people are going to want to get in a room with a laptop and a MIDI controller. And yeah. It's <laughs> just fine. It's like the new rock and roll is doing that. And the cool thing about now is someone like a 12 year old kid who's making some awesome beats, like a Skrillex type kid can immediately have, uh, he, he can immediately have access to people who want to hear his music. Yeah. You can upload something to SoundCloud. Now, when I was a kid making little horrible songs on my Tascam four track, no one was going to hear those except my poor girlfriend at the time. Yeah. <laughs> now someone can make something and, and express themselves. And then they can find other people, uh, other like-minded kids to share it with and jam with and collaborate with. So there are all sorts of cool things that are coming with the technology. And we just got to find our way through it and find a way that, that makes sense to keep, uh, keep it alive as an industry and not just something that rich people can play with. Yeah, that's it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Like, you know, the fact that anybody can, you know, put some music out on the internet is a good thing, but the fact that anybody can put any music out on the internet is a bad thing in some ways, right? Like, it's such a weird, uh, it's such a weird thing because it dilutes a lot. I mean, I know for myself, you know, not that I'm old or anything, but I'm 40, and I guess when I started turning 40, I, all of a sudden, and actually maybe even a couple of years ago, I started seeing the uh, get off my lawn aspects of my personality come out. I was like, where did that come from? Like, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I can't listen to that. That's what's this new music? I don't. I'm, you know, still stuck listening to 90s rock. Like, I can't get out of it for some reason. Like. I all of a sudden became my my father. You know, it was like anything new coming about. It just really, there's just so much to listen to. I don't even know where to begin. You know, yeah. so so really, all I do is 
when I come across new artists like yourself or, you know, other people that I've been, you know, that do the podcast with or whatever, somebody will, you know, locally here in Austin, um, you know, that that's really it. That's I, I end up listening to any new music I listen to. It's really local stuff or somebody I know of some way. That's really all I know. Like, I couldn't tell you a Billie Eilish song. You know, I couldn't tell you. I don't even know an artist to say, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so weird. Like, do you feel like that there's a lot of people like me? Or do you think I'm just like some idiot? You know what I mean? Like, what what are, I mean, what do you think? Like, is it too diluted? Is it, I mean, I don't know. It's, what, definitely, what you- it's definitely too d- diluted. But I think that what these what these platforms like Spotify have done a pretty good job of, I think is like curation where they're like, well, if you're listening to a lot of Billie Eilish, you might like this other thing over here. And, and there, it, it, it feeds off these algorithms that, that in my opinion, in a scary way, get to know you a little too well, <laughs> yeah, you know, like sure. my phone is listening and telling, um, you know, my phone knows when I'm grumpy and will play me like a Ryan Adams song. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that's hilarious. But, but yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I'm 36, I'll be 37 this year and I definitely am becoming old, grumpier as I get older and yeah, I grumpy. Exactly. Yeah. I'm less interested in like going to pitchfork.com and like <laughs> getting hip and then wading through 30 garbage bands of noise rock to find the one little diamond in the rough. Um, but I'm lucky that a lot of my close friends are musicians and songwriters. So I, I use my friends a lot as a barometer with that kind of keep my ear to the ground through my friendships and then, of course, yeah. through like, I think film and TV is a really great place to find new music now. There's, you know, and I write for film and TV a lot. So I know what that's like. There's a lot of really cool artists um, writing for that medium. And, you know, my wife and I were watching uh, the show Big Little Lies, the HBO show. With oh, Hitler. yeah. It's the music on that whole show. I found myself shazamming, you know, the app where you can just figure out what it is. And I, that's been cool. Like, that's something that I couldn't do when I was a kid. I'd hear a song in a record store and be like, I hopefully I can find someone who knows what it is or something. Yeah. But I also miss that too. I miss, I miss another way of curation of having a local record store and you knew the weird guy in there that, you know, that lived with his mom, but he knew everything about, you know, 60s psychedelic music and could give you a strawberry alarm clock record and blow your fucking mind and change your life even. So that's kind of gone now. We've replaced all that with robots and algorithms and they may hit you harder. They may, cause they've learned your behavior, but Music is losing a lot of that, the mystery and magic and the discovery. You know what I mean? That, that's one thing I do feel bummed about. But like you, I don't know if that's accurate or if I'm just an old asshole. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> exactly. Maybe exactly. It, it's probably a little bit of both, I'd like to believe. Um, but, you know, look, it, bottom line, I know new music is getting made and I, know, and I know people are listening to it. So I don't really worry about it too much. You know, I'm one of the weird guys about music. Like, I'll just say you know, Alexa play blues music. Right. And she'll just start playing stuff. And I don't even know what I'm listening to. I, I don't really care. It just, if it's got a good beat to it, I'm in, um, I don't need much. I don't, uh, I like music with a lot with actually with no lyrics. I like a lot of just musical music, you know, uh, Latin stuff mm-hmm. really, really I'm Latin myself. So I love Latin music, you know, anything with a good beat, a good rhythm, um, you know, um, my wife's the same way. My wife's my wife's Puerto Rican, and uh, you know, she'll put on Shakira, and she doesn't like care what the lyrics are. I mean, she she, she doesn't even think about the lyrics. Now, she it, she's smart, and she likes great music, and she likes great statements, and she can hone in on what's cool about like a Bob Dylan thing, for example, who's mainly a lyrics artist. But I think most people are like her. They they just they music for them is an outlet for fun. 
Yeah. Whereas for me, it's been like a brooding, um, the poetic, uh, you know, <laughs> totally. like, I'm like a little tortured, you know, <laughs> to connect to the cure and the Smith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd rather Morrissey understands me and, you know, yeah. <laughs> from that, you know, it's less totally. fun for me. Although of course it is fun, but I, I, I'm a little more esoteric, but I think most people just want to have a good time and, and uh, escape a little bit. You know, it's just, that's what entertainment and art does for most people. Yeah, it's a funny thing because you do music as, you know, it's your job, you know, it's how you make a living. So there, it's it's got to have a different, you've almost got to see it different way sometimes. I'm sure if you're doing it for work, you know, it's one way. And if you're doing it maybe for a project, you're, you know, pushing yourself. It's another way. I, I'm I'm kind of the same way with food. You know, I've been in the restaurant industry for so long and like, you kind of get numb to the the food and the th and the things that other people are excited about and they come and talk to you about and you're kind of like, man, uh, you know, been there, done that a gazillion times. It's not that exciting for me anymore. Um, you know, or like, say, for instance, like a famous chef that I've worked with. Right. People think, oh, that guy must eat foie gras and, and, and duck meat all day long every week. It's like, honestly, that dude popped a fucking hot pocket in at the end of the night when he went home. And that's the, that's the, you know, you know, the reality of things. Is it like that in music in some ways? You know what I mean? I, I don't, does that make sense what I'm saying? It is. And, but what, well, I mean, you know, for four years I toured with a country artist uh, named Rodney Atkins and uh, I can promise you, I'm not sitting at home in my private time listening to popular country. Music. Yeah. So, <laughs> and a lot of my peers who do what I do in town are sort of displaced rock kids. And we all sort of found our way in different parts of the industry. And I also write, commercial country songs for artists. So for me, what I've learned, and I learned, I mean, if you could see my studio right now, dude, it, I mean, my wife, my wife, my poor wife, um, <laughs> and let's see, well, first of all, there's like 40 skulls in here. Cause I love skulls, a bunch of, there's a poster of a racer head, a bunch of Bob Dylan posters for the exorcist, alien, easy rider, a million guitars, Freddy Krueger action figures, kiss dolls, uh, Metallica posters, art, and the reason that it's like this, it's almost like the childhood bedroom I wish I could have had if I had had a job when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, if, you had a, if you had money when you were a kid. Yeah. Money, you know? and, the, <laughs> and the reason for all that is I wanted everywhere I looked in this room to remind me of why I love this shit and to, to sort of um, reanimate the kid in me. And that that's what helps, you know, because... I'm a 36 year old dude who has a family to take care of. So I don't, I can't really afford to not take it seriously as a vocation and like worry about what's commercial, what's going to make generate income for my family. Sure. So balance of like, okay, but I can't also hate everything I do and feel like I'm just a robot. So for me having all the stuff around, that's my way through um, getting excited about what I, what I do, even if I'm, because here's how I've always felt too. Like, let's say that my publishing company are like, Hey, we need you to write a Florida Georgia line song tomorrow. And, uh, you know, do you, are you familiar with Florida Georgia line? Kind of this butt yeah. rock country band. It's incredibly popular. I mean, they do. Yeah. However, they're, they're not high on the list of cool, you know, they're, they're, there's not a lot of credibility <laughs> for someone. <laughs> but if my publishing company is like, Hey, can you write a song for Florida Georgia line? I take it really seriously. And I would say to them, absolutely. And I'm going to go, listen to their last five singles, that last five number ones. I'm going to read a little bit about them and I'm going to go in that room and write the best goddamn song I can for them without uh, being a jerk, without being an elitist or cynical. And I think that's important too, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. If you decide to take the gig, you do a good job. Yeah. 
100%. Like you're betraying some sort of personal credibility, then don't take the fucking gig. I, I agree with that. And that, that is a chef thing too. Like a chef that maybe versed in French cuisine is now, uh, you know, cooking, I don't know, making hamburgers at some spot, right? Like he might feel pretentious or above, right. like it's above him or something. But the reality is no, like, look at how can you make that burger the best burger you've ever had? You know, um, that that's absolutely the same. You have to have the same mentality in food too. Like that's no different. You know, if, you, like you said, if you take the gig, give it everything you got. And that's a huge thing in a kitchen uh, is giving it all you got right there is no bullshit in a fucking kitchen. You will not last two seconds. It's very military uh, like in that sense. So, well, and it's good for your reputation too. And it's just good for your yeah. mental health. I, I yeah. feel like. why, why would you do it? Why would you not give it your all if you're going to do it? Right? Like, absolutely. Well, I've been in rooms too, where it's like, Oh, we're, we get to, we have to write this shitty song. Let's just make fun of it the whole time. And I'm like, man, I got better ways to spend my time. I just really do. I'm not better than anybody, but I'd rather not, I'd rather take that day and just do anything else. Actually. If yeah. That's the goal. Let's shoot for the goal and let's make it great. Absolutely, man. I mean, look, it's again, your name's on it. Like you said, your reputation. Plus it's just, you know, anything I do, dude, if I'm washing the dishes, I try to do it the best I can. If I'm, you know what I mean? If I'm, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm writing, so I try to write it the best I can. If I'm walking to the mailbox, I'm like doing the best walk I got. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's, I give it, I don't know any other way to, right. to, to just give it everything I got, no matter what I'm doing. Um, especially if it's something I'm don't know how to do very well or not familiar with, then I'm really going to focus, you know, even more so uh, on top of that. Right, right. Clint, I wanted to talk to you about, this is a funny thing that we were, you know, we were emailing and stuff about the podcast and, and you, and you made a comment like, Hey, I don't know anything about food. So, you know, so and I get what you're saying. Cause some people will tell me that uh, when they come on the podcast, like, just so you know, I don't know anything about food, but th the same response I gave you is the same response I give everybody. Like we all eat. So we, we know more about food than we think that's the honest truth. Um, but really what I want to know from you is like, I'm, I'm curious as someone from not from the industry. This is why I like having people that aren't from the restaurant industry on to talk a little bit about food um, to get their perspective. So this is what I want to ask you. Um, do you actually, well, I actually have a few questions, but do you, do you care at all? Like what you eat? Do you watch it, it like at all? Or you just eat whatever you eat? No, I, I have a, a strange relationship with food where I, I uh, you know, I'm a vain person and uh, I, my job is usually on a stage in front of people. So I'm always worried about what I'm eating and I'm always worried about um, calories and, uh, and I, I, I seesaw through, I mean, before the whole pandemic thing, I lost about 40 pounds in about five months through a lot. I was running five miles a day. I was like wow. really paying attention to what I was putting in my body. I felt great, felt awesome. But I'm also kind of a temperamental artist type dude who struggles with some mental shit. So that turns into eating stuff too. So I feel like I'm always, um, I very rarely just eat and don't think about eating. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So that can be anything because it's a control thing. So whether I'm eat, not eating something, I feel like I'm in control. And then if I'm eating, if I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Taco Bell and get $10 worth of Taco Bell, which by the way, is like a mountain of food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's my way of controlling what feels uncontrollable too. So I do think about it, but in terms of like the quality of food, anytime I've been in a situation, which I, I have been a lot on tour, 
uh, depending on kind of who I'm rolling with, if they're kind of balling, had some really great food. And I can tell it's great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've had someone put a $10 cup of coffee in my hands and I'll drink it. I'm like, yep, um, I get it. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, who will go buy it with my own money. Sure. Does that sure. make sense? Sure, Abs- of course. Uh, absolutely. That's actually the majority of people is that. Yeah. Right. My, my wife, I think, cares more and she's an amazing cook. And uh, She's Latin, dog. Latins are trained from... Desde pequeño, estamos entrenado. Like, we're trained from young to care right. about food. Like, that's the well, truth. Her, her mom's Puerto Rican cooking, like carne asada and, and just... Yeah. Boricua. Stuff. Yeah, your, your wife's Boricua. It's just amazing, dude. And she, she's she's fascinating, too, because she'll... I'll, here's how I cook. I'll look at a recipe, and I'll do everything exactly what it says, and it still won't be right. <laughs> she'll sort of, like improvise and and just you know won't measure things and it's always great so i don't know what maybe you could explain it to me that just seems like more of a talent for it than me but yeah it just like playing uh you know you pick up a guitar right you don't know how to play chords you don't know what you're doing it takes time you got to learn it and you do it and with time you you become better at just shredding if you will right just just doodling around the same thing with cooking look there's a different there's cooking and baking baking is all about precision Right, baking, baking is a science. So there you do want to measure everything to the last whatever, you know, weigh everything. Everything has to be perfect. But when it comes to cooking, it, it's just like what your wife does. That's how I cook, too. That's actually how a lot of chefs cook in restaurants, too. You can ask them, hey, what's the recipe for this? They're like, I don't know. I just do this, this and this and this. Because also recipes can't really work because everybody's heat is different. So you, your stove is different from my stove and my oven's different from your oven. And you write the temperatures are different and altitudes are different. Humidity is different. Water is different. You know, butter, eggs, milk, all these things that you're going to put in, it's all different. So depending on where you are, it doesn't really work. Honestly, man, I can just be frank with you. 99% of recipes you find online are absolute bullshit. They're thrown together without even Honestly, nine times out of 10, they don't even make the dish they make a recipe for. They might make the dish to take a quick picture and then do some other bullshit. But most recipes are just nonsense. They don't even actually work. They don't actually work as the recipe. So if you do follow it, like it says, it won't come out good. That's the majority of recipe. And that's why yours didn't come out good. So that's the truth. It's not even your fault. It, you you started with something bad you didn't even know. Like I'm loving this. This is my favorite thing I've learned today. Is that when I make bad food, it's not my fault. It's not. Uh, yeah. Let me. Because well, well, you're, well. <laughs> you're like my only friend that I've ever talked to that knows about food in this way. So let me. I'm just curious because we watch a lot of food shows because um, we're fascinated by that. So let me get your hot takes on some of these people. Maybe not them as people, but you know what I mean. Like sure. What do you think about uh, the barefoot Contessa lady? Do you know that chick? Who Barefoot Contessa? Oh, that's her show, the Barefoot Contessa. It's on Food Network, or uh, or what do you think about Bobby Flay? Yeah, Bobby Flay. Uh, yeah, Bobby Flay is uh, fantastic. I actually worked for many years with the chef that trained Bobby Flay, Stephen Piles. Okay, I love watching his show because he's awesome. He has like a a nice air air about him where he's a little snarky, but mostly pretty self effacing and funny, and he just seems fucking talented dude it makes he stuff. is he like he's legit he's a legit chef so he's not like a tv chef right he's, right. he's a legit chef like he came from you know working from nothing to you know where he yeah he's he's legit i would definitely um watch all of his stuff like gordon ramsey these are people that are legit um chefs right. that, that you know 
you can watch. What about that Restaurant Impossible show? You ever watch that show? Yeah, I've seen that show. Uh, you know, uh, some stuff, some stuff, yes, some stuff, no. It's interesting how popular food shows are now. They're they're huge, right? There's so many. And I guess it's because people like me who don't know much about food or who would say that and I still watch all that stuff. So they can just get everybody because they can get people like you who love food and people like me who don't really know. To be honest with you, I don't watch food shows. Really? Yeah. It's so weird. So that's not true. I watch some. I'm very, I'm very particular about the ones I watch just because I don't want to watch too much stuff about food. I deal with food all day long. So like my free time, I'd rather watch, you know, some other shit. I'd rather watch Ozark or fucking Stranger Things or, you know what I mean? Like some other shit. I, I, that, that's my thing. We, weirdly, um, that's just, you know, what it is. That's honestly a lot of uh, food people, are, you know, that are actually in the industry are very much like myself. They don't What's watch a lot of What's your ratio for like, you're like a food guy making food for yourself. That's like, wow, chef's kiss versus throwing the hot pocket in. Like what's an average week like in terms of how often are you doing the nice thing versus the normal thing? Great question. I would say, okay, forget the, the pandemic. Let, let's just say if a pandemic wasn't going on, I would say I cook, you know, 85% of my meals. Mm-hmm. during the week so good stuff the rest 15 percent is filler stuff but it's not even going to be filler what you might consider filler it's stuff i pre-made that's still good yeah you know but i just have it ready to heat up in the microwave so right. i will i will use chef mike every once in a while i will hit up chef mike no problem <laughs> uh but very occasionally and you know i know what it's for right. um, I, I would dare, never never dare use one um in a restaurant gotcha that's gotcha. interesting. So yeah, that that's my thing. But I mean, it's you know sandwiches. I I cook a lot of rice, pastas. Uh, you know, I get these farm boxes from um, a local farm place, and it's different all the time. So I just kind of use what's available, what's fresh, what's going on. Yeah, we do that. We have a there's a oh god, I forget what it's called, but we get a box of food every couple of days that's I guess rejected veggies and fruits because there's. They're edible, but there's something. Oh, I know what you're saying. Like the, they're like misshapen and stuff, that sort of thing. And, and it's kind of a mystery box. And so yeah. it's fun for my wife to uh, get that mystery box for the week and then be like, cool, we'll do A, B, and C. And I'm lucky, dude, because I'll just eat anything she makes. And that's uh, awesome. <laughs> thought out of it for, I mean, but I'm also the kind of dude that could eat the same thing every day. I, you know, I, I go through that stuff too, man. Don't, you know, I remember this one. Uh, it was a Spanish. Indian and Turkish restaurant that I worked at. So it was all together and it was small plates. We, that we made this one dish in particular. It's uh, we call it butter chicken. It has many names, tandoori chicken, where it's just like this orange, uh, creamy sort of nutty tomato sauce with, with rice and cubes of chicken. It's very simple. That's it. That's all it is. White rice and that, those three things. I ate that every day for, I swear, 18 months. Like I'm my God. I mean, it was like, and everybody ate it at the restaurant. It was just like the most addict, crack addictive thing. So that can happen to me too, man. I find a good sandwich place or a good sandwich somewhere or a good taco somewhere. Pwah, I, I, can, I, I can do the same thing. If it's good, why not? I, I don't, you know, what's the problem? I, I find for me, and, and I've spent most of my life on the road, and so trying to find, trying to find ways of routine on the road is really crucial to not, <laughs> to not you know, destroying yourself out there. So for me, because food always has held a, a certain kind of negative power, 
because of this stuff I was talking about a little earlier. For me to just like, okay, I'm going to meal prep grilled chicken and green beans. I'm going to have eight of those. Uh, that just, it takes some of the power that food holds over me. Sure. And it gives me a sense of like, I don't have to think about it. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of important for me. It's kind of similar to how you were like, look, this, Alexa, play jazz music or play blues. Yeah. It takes some of that. You don't have to worry about it. You just know you like it. You want it there. It's nice. And then you can move on and do the things you care about, you know? Absolutely. That's funny. <laughs> look, I... <laughs> Uh, move on to the things you care about. I love that. Cause some, you know, like people love food, right? So that's what they care about. Um, but I get it. Like I, I used to not even care about food before I got in the food industry. I used to look at food as like sort of in my way, like I've got to take time out of my day to eat. God damn. I got other shit to do. Like, I get it. Like I've been there. I've, I've done that, but what really, it, it just, it's important what you put in your body at the end of the day, you know? When, when I'm, when I'm my best self and I'm paying attention to that stuff, I feel the best for sure. Yes. yes and I'm doing it, you know, it's like, when will I learn? But I feel like the, the older I get, at least one of the little net positives of getting older is I can actually look back and be like, okay, dummy, <laughs> you feel better and you like yourself more. Yes. So let's do things that make you like yourself. And so yeah. you'll write more, you'll write better music, dude. You're, you're, yeah. you'll be a better musician. You'll be a better artist. It'll clear up your, you know, mentally, like there's so many benefits to it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, easier said than done. Like, you know, e even I though I cook all my meals, I, doesn't mean everything I eat is healthy, if that makes sense. Like, I like a lot of butter and olive oil and fucking spices and shit. So sometimes the meals I'm having, even though I'm cooking them myself, is, it's not entirely healthy. Right. Um, you know, better than processed food. You know, anything is better than processed food. You yeah. Know? When I'm doing good, I, we don't eat any of that shit at all. And then if I have, if, if I go like, two or three months and I'm exercising and I'm eating well, when I do eat some of that, if it's like late and I'm drunk or something, my body is like, uh, this is poisoned. <laughs> like it'll give me like a headache and make me sick. It's, it, it's weird how your body, once it gets a break from that process shit, your body will tell you, you know? Absolutely. Um, I get sick if I eat. I mean, not, and not that I'm against it. Um, I mean, I'm against it in the general sense, just because I come from the restaurant industry and that's fast food. But I'm not pretentiously against it. Meaning if someone says like, yeah, I just went to Taco Bell or but I'm not gonna be like, you fuck it. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You fucking asshole. I'm not like that. Great. How was it? Okay, cool. Like, I don't give a fuck. It's your, you know, your food. But what am I going to advocate for Taco Bell? Hell no. Am I going to be telling people to go to Taco Bell? Never. I would never tell somebody to go eat at Taco Bell. Now, how do I eat at Taco Bell every once in a while? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, I admit it. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, you know, I eat at McDonald's every once in a while. You know, whatever place, I've, I'll make a stop probably once every three months is what happens. I get some fast food for whatever reason it may be. Usually it's time. Something with time has prevented me from being able to cook something for myself or I didn't have something prepped. So now I got to get some fast food. And I, there's no P. Terry's around. In Austin, there's a place called P. Terry's. It's a great burger place that I love. Um, that I will eat. But, you know, yeah, man, I'll stop over at or whatever. And when I'm finished eating it, I feel like I'm going to die. My body instantly rejects it. And I get, like, hot flashes. And, like, I honestly don't I honestly feel like throwing up after. Like, my stomach starts to, if it's a weird feeling. Yeah. It's, weird. it's, it's weird. We run into that. It's funny you saying like, I won't tell anyone to eat it, but occasionally I'll eat it. It's, you know, we've got a five year old at home. And, and so 
the food thing will come into play with that too, where it's like, man, if the right circumstances are happening, you're like, just get the kids some quick food. It'll come, it'll have a toy in it. And the mental break is worth the the dietary shit. But it is interesting because we always are talking to our kid about food and she sees us cook all the time and she cooks a lot with my wife. And so she'll be like, we'll just get McDonald's or whatever. And she's like, but this is unhealthy. We're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, true. Yes. But I'm eating it. Yeah. Yeah. Just eat it. Just enjoy it. Put more ketchup on it. You'll be fine. That's a, yeah, put more ketchup. But at least she knows. Right. Like, I, I get that. Like, I, I get that. Like, that's what I feel fast food is reserved for, should be reserved for, are those yeah. moments. It's when you have the opportunity to cook something and then you're like, nope, I, I, I'm just going to go pick this up. Right. Yeah. You have a choice. Like, if you have the time to make some food for yourself, do it. I promise you it's cheaper. The quality is better. And when you see the meals you can actually put together on a plate, you'll be like, holy shit, why have I been buying shitty food all this time? I could, this took me 20 minutes and it cost me $3. Like, and it's the best thing I've had in whatever time. You know, like People will surprise themselves if they just start getting into it. And it doesn't take long. Within a couple of weeks, you'd be in a routine of cooking for yourself that you would be so happy with. Again, the money you save the health aspects or whatever. And then if you do decide to break free and go have a, you know, gordita, nacho, grande, whatever they got, you're not, you don't actually won't feel as guilty. Cause you're like, damn, I eat pretty good all the time, you know? So right. whatever is not going to hurt me. Well, one of the silver linings of the pandemic is we, we've been taking it pretty seriously and stayed locked down most of the time. We've only eaten out two or three times in like 50 days. Yeah. Uh, one of the silver linings has been just cooking more here, seeing how much money we were spending on food and uh, just getting some perspective, trying to take advantage of like, you know, the boundaries that are on us now. So that, that's been interesting for both of us to check out. Yeah, that's true. So you've been trying like different style, new styles of food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my wife is the type of person, I don't know if you're like this, she doesn't like to eat the same thing twice. So she's always looking for something different to do. And I, I like that too. I, I do like changing it up. Yeah. And, and I, luckily I, I have, I'll eat anything. There's only a few things I don't really dig. So I'm down to eat whatever she's making. And she's really probably like you, she's really hard on herself about it. Like she'll make something and be like, ah, it didn't work. And I'm like, this is amazing. That's me every time I cook. I'm never happy with anything. Honestly, I, I don't think I've ever been happy with a dish I've ever made in my life. I'm always, <laughs> I'm at the end of it. I'm like, it could have been better. Damn. That's everybody. I don't know any chef that doesn't say that, to be frank with you. I, I don't know any chef, even like the James Beard Award winning chefs I've worked with. They still, it could have been better. Even Aaron Franklin, I worked with Aaron Franklin. Even Aaron Franklin done with a brisket, you know, the best brisket in the world. Still him saying it could have been better. There's a lot of artists that I know. And Bob Schneider is one of them who I know has been on your show before. Yeah. And uh, when he makes a record, he tells me that like he'll never listen to it again um he does he works as hard as he can on it he makes it as best as it can be gets the great musicians involved and then even if it's like a record that's acclaimed he's like i just won't listen to it anymore because what you inevitably hear are ways that it could have been better Uh, exactly yes that's that's pretty much it and in fact sometimes this sounds weird too but sometimes getting a compliment about the meal can really piss you off (laughs) because you're like no, it's not that good. So why are you saying that? Like it's it it is a little overcooked, you know, or whatever it may be, right? The the does that happen to you with some music or something like a song you have, maybe I don't know. You you played it for somebody and you and you think it's kind of like shit, but they're like, oh, this is the best. 
Yeah, I mean, there are songs that I turn into my <laughs> publishing company that that I think are the best shit I've ever done that they ignore, and then there's <laughs> total garbage that they're like, "Man, everyone in the office is really excited about this one." And there is a sense where I'm like, "What's wrong with you guys?" <laughs> but at the same time, too, I'm like, I I, don't, I also can't control that because yeah, um, I'm I'm sure there's a an intense Venn diagram on on the idea of. <laughs> as art and stuff but like with with creativity and like music and that kind of art I, I can't judge what they like it's so subjective now if i could have made it better that's definitely something i think about all the time but if someone likes it i, I let it go i tend to just let them let it go yeah of course right I, I mean look there's there's a right and a wrong but there's not a right and a wrong if that makes sense I, I was trying to think of another way to say right and wrong but i couldn't my brain does not that work that fast and so what i mean is like i can make you a steak right but if i burn it and it's black right. I, it's it's wrong okay there's no right about it but if i sous vide it and then and then butterflied it and roasted it in the oven or whatever but then this other guy he he you know grilled it and then did this other thing or whatever and served it there's no right or wrong, right? There's just different ways to get to the same, you know, destination. That's what chef, that's what being a chef is all about. Like every chef is different. That's why when you watch how to just an egg, how to fry an egg, every chef on YouTube will tell you a completely different way. That's because they all have a different way, but there are wrong ways to do it. You know, that every chef would agree with. So it's probably that way with music too, right? Like there, even though it is art, there are still some wrong things. Like if somebody recorded the vocals like way off and you can't yeah, right. hear them, right? Like technical stuff, I guess, is right. where, yeah. where it lies, right? Like there, there's... I remember when, um, when we first moved to Nashville, we were, we were young little babies and uh, my wife was working in a restaurant and I was just touring. So when I wasn't touring, I, didn't do, I wasn't writing or anything. And so she was working late one night and I remember actually having to Google how to make eggs. <laughs> I was like... I'm 27 years old. Oh shit! I just literally googled how do you make it. <laughs> Did Google say what the fuck? Did it have just a WTF? What if Google just said that? It was like I, WTF. You know, I like how <laughs> they're like, well, you can scramble them this way, and you can buy them. This that way. is true. That is true. They 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 let me off the hook and just told me how to do it. it yeah. <laughs> So what did you do? What did you end up cooking? How did you do it? I, I just scrambled them. So like, That's the easiest, like, right? Oh, yeah, you just put them in a bowl and stir that up and then pour that in a hot pan. Okay, cool. Easy yeah. peasy, right? Yeah. There, there actually is a lot of... I could honestly probably talk about... Probably for a good hour about eggs. No, no <laughs> joke. Like, no joke. Like, there's, there's just so much on... We could start from... Which came first, right? The chicken or the... I mean, just go to the end. Uh, but yes, uh, it, it's crazy. God, that is crazy. Just like music, though. I mean, you could probably talk about a guitar string for an hour if you really break it down and started thinking of all the stories and all the things and all the whatever. Talk about Metallica, I guess, for around 300 hours. <laughs> yeah. It's all well documented on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, man. And look, that podcast is like super popular, dude. Like you guys really have a good, you mentioned that earlier, but you really do have a, uh, you know, big fan base and people love you guys, man. The reviews I read, like people don't, people aren't just like, yeah, good show. Moving on. They're like, Oh my God. You know, just like the greatest show. I guess if you have that sort of, is it a niche podcast because it's metallic? Is it niche? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I mean, is it a niche? We, I mean, 
we didn't really go into it for this reason, but it was sort of lucky that they're one of the biggest bands of all time. So that doesn't really hurt. It comes with, <laughs> yeah. but, but as you know, I mean, everyone in the world loves food, but the podcast has got to be good for it to, to count and to, and to compete with all the other great podcasts out there. So absolutely, we were just lucky that we, Ethan and I, my co-host had some chemistry and we, we, uh, we worked hard on the front end and did our research and we tried to bring a lot of integrity to the project and a lot of humor. And so, uh, and then of course being like quote unquote musician, like industry insiders that added an, a fresh angle. There's a lot of music podcasts of two super fans who just want to talk about how much they love a band, but bring, being able nobody to- wants to hear that. Well, it better be funny or it better be, yeah. it better not just be two dudes in a room. And, and the, the podcast I do with Bob is, is we talk about that a lot because we're, it's essentially a, a buddy comedy podcast, and there are a million of those dudes of two guys who are like, "I was funny in high school." Yeah, I was. <laughs> Let's just talk about anything, and people will love it. And that yeah. doesn't really translate, you know. It's like your funny friends who are funny, like you know, at a bar, but then they try to do stand up or something. It's like, dude, it doesn't work. You can't yeah. trust your friends, right? Friends lie. They will laugh at shit that's not funny. Or maybe they were laughing at you the whole time. Like, you don't fucking know. Like, I don't trust my friends if, uh, with anything they say. Well, and they may sincerely be laughing, but they're, they're laughing because they know you. They, they understand the idea of you. And they contextualize yeah. it in everything they know about you. So your tone of voice, or you going into a character, or, or you talking about something that triggers something you guys joked about in college or whatever, you cannot do that on a podcast. Yeah. We have to assume yeah. that people are listening. They don't know who the hell you are. Why would they listen to you? So that's something we think about all the time, you know. And I'm lucky to do it with Bob because he's such a fascinating, strange, wonderful guy that he generates a lot of what's interesting about the show just by letting him talk into a microphone for a couple of minutes. <laughs> no, man, you guys um, both work. <laughs> Pardon me. That's not a COVID cough. I promise. Um, there, there's uh, you guys work really well off each other, man. You guys have a it's a really good podcast. Um, you know, you guys just have a good rapport. It seems like uh, the last time Bob was on, I mentioned to him, I, I said, it seems like, you know, you're poking the bear, right? Like it's just kind of seeing what will come out of the other person. That's yeah. what I, that's what I get when I'm listening to it. You know, you guys kind of throw a few barbs at each other, but it's all just in good fun really it's just the whole podcast is in good fun that's what the, that's what's a great uh, thing about that podcast just in good fun you guys we're gonna laugh uh i enjoy it it's kind of short and sweet to the yeah. point and you know in and out uh get some laughs hear something interesting uh usually you always hear something interesting that i didn't know when i listened to that yeah I, well we we've been friends for so long and we toured together for years so that's essentially just how we talked on the tour bus and uh so there's just a lot of trust of like, if we go here, I, I trust where he'll take it. He trusts me to help rein it in or take it somewhere else. Interesting. Sure, and then sure. a lot of that too is born out in editing. You know, I make sure when I edit it, that I keep it tight and right, as we say, and I make us look good. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, if we that I take it out, you know, <laughs> that's a big part of it too. It's just like, go for it. Right. You're just like, go for it. And if it works, we'll keep it. Yeah. If not, there's no map. There's no, uh, Hey, we're going to talk about this. It's very much like, see what happens. So in that way, it's really different than my Metallica podcast, which is very, usually, unless we're doing those live streams, it's very, um, not rehearsed. Uh, um, it's very it's structured. Uh, is it just, you just have yeah, it's a, structured research. That was where yeah, I was looking. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, the band in 1997, this is what tour they did. This is the awards they won. This is what song, blah, blah, blah. So with Bob, it's like, yeah, poking the bear is actually, we should actually call the podcast poking the bear because <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a, it's, it is. You know, this is, um, I was teasing Bob when he came on, uh, the podcast about the name of it because I was so confused by the name of the podcast. I'm still confused by the name of the podcast. I can't even still say the name of the podcast. Um, yeah. you know, and I was like, don't you think that's confusing? He's like, no, this is the easiest. He's like, this is the easiest name to remember. I was like, I don't think so, man. There's a lot of words in that name. I, I can't, I still, you know, I'm okay. We're not okay. It's okay. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. You know, I was like, I, I'm lost. I'm already lost. Uh, but when he says it, it just flies off so fast, like, right. okay, I guess I'm the idiot, which is more than likely the, the, the case. Um, we, we, it's a branding problem for sure. We, it was a funny joke we had where, you know, you're trying to reassure somebody like, look, I'm okay, you're okay. And then, <laughs> like, well, I'm not okay. Because you're- <laughs> uh, kind of playing with that whole everyone kind of lies about that shit, you know, like everyone... And the truth really is both, you know, like <laughs> are okay, but, but also not okay. So anyway, that I wanted to, I wanted to shorten it to just, I'm okay. You know, the I'm okay podcast, but, uh, cause it's hard to look for. And when I tell people who are like, I tell people on my Metallica podcast who want to get interested in it, I'm like, don't even look up the podcast name. Just look up <laughs> Schneider. <laughs> yeah. That's a better way. Uh, that's smart. That's a better way to, uh, to look it up now it doesn't it does make me remember the name not remember the the title but it makes me remember that the name is confusing to me if that makes sense <laughs> we're like, going it was a roundabout way to stick in someone's head yeah. I remember that it's hard to say and I, I remember that i can't remember it that's how yeah, that's, that's pretty much it i remember that it's confusing as fuck for me uh, right. but but you know I like things like that in a lot of ways. Like it, it makes it more interesting, even though I'm, I'm teasing about it. Think it, it makes it a little more interesting for me in some way. Like, you know, cause I'm okay. I wouldn't, we wouldn't even be talking about right. The name of it. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things. And again, it's probably just me. Uh, I speak two languages like all the time. So, you know, my wife's from Spain. So I constantly, and it's not that I know two languages. I speak two languages daily, right? So I'm use, I write in it. I'm speak, and some sometimes my brain just doesn't compute things. I mean, it's just that simple, you know. Well, it makes you feel any better? Many other people have been confused by it. And I, I <laughs> when we when it turned out that people were going to start, you know, we noticed that people were listening to that show, and I was like, I started, oh yeah, like responsibility for like, okay, this is a real thing. People are listening. I wanted to do kind of a a rebranding pretty early on. And he, and you know, Bob, you know, that. I was like, no. Well, he said what he said to you. I'm guessing he was like, dude, it's great. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. It's great. What do you mean? And I'm like, yeah. oh, I mean, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay with that, but okay. We'll go with it. But the cool thing is, I mean, the title of that show really is um, honest. It, it, it really is like who we are. It's our totally. humor. It's, it was born out of a tour joke. So in that way, it's, it's, it really does sum up the show pretty well. It's a crazy name and it's a, it's not a crazy, I'm not trying to use crazy in that way, but it's got that energy, right? Um, so the, the name is energetic unto itself. So it does give you a, a very good idea of what the podcast is going to be like, you know, the way it hits you emotionally, you jump into it, it makes sense, right? It's, it's just a little bit of a little bit of that, like you said. So yeah. Um, Clint, I want to ask you this, um, cause we're, I know you probably got to go here soon, man, but I have a couple more questions. I really want to get your, your opinion on this. Um, as someone who's not, you know, from the food industry, what do you think about veganism? What, what does that, what does that mean to you? 
Well, um, my wife has been through several different iterations of that vegetarianism and veganism, uh, both for animal rights reasons and for health reasons. Yeah. And, uh, she, we, and then of course I eat whatever she's doing. So I don't, uh, I feel like there's a moral problem eating meat. I really do. And, uh, I think it's a better time than ever to have substitutes for it. And we mostly don't, I would say we probably mostly don't eat meat, although she might call me on that. Um, culturally, the way I've kind of looked at the whole issue is I feel like it's unfortunately been co-opted and politicized in a way to where you have to be all in on the team or you're not, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, I had a friend once who was like a 10 year vegetarian and one day on the road, he was like, I'm going to eat a hamburger today. And it was like this big shocking thing. And he was like, dude, I haven't eaten meat for 10 years. Like I can try to have one burger and he ate it. And he was like, eh, it wasn't for me. There are some people who would look at that and be like, well, you're not a vegetarian anymore. They like yeah. set the clock back or something. Yeah. And I've always found that distasteful in that community of like, unless you're all in and uh, 100% committed, it's almost like sobriety or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whereas, the way I see it personally, because I consider it more of a moral issue, is like if I'm eating 80% vegetarian or vegan and 20% eating meat, that's better than what I was doing before, which was nothing, eating meat every day. Yeah. So what that's done, her kind of dipping into those worlds, which she was, she was a vegetarian for like seven years. Um, what that does is like we just have an awareness of what we're eating, where it's coming from. We try to be smart about it. I think the plan is to ultimately quit eating meat. So anyway, that's my convoluted answer about where we sit with that personally. That's kind of where we're at on that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just curious, you know, what, what your, you know, how you see it, like the filter that it, you know, and in your mind when you hear the term vegan and vegetarian, you know, and just how it's affected your life. That's interesting. Um, you, you know, you're, you're not alone. Um, a lot of people feel that way about that side of things. You know, if, if vegan is a lifestyle, right? Um, and if you don't, if you're not all in, yeah, you get, you can get in trouble. Remember this one food truck. So I used to own a food truck here in Austin, a Spanish food. And in my food park, there was a vegan truck, a vegan trailer right next to me. It was called Unity. And this lady, Leslie, super great, been a vegan. She hadn't been a vegan her whole life, but maybe like five years or so. And then decided to open this food truck. Well, she had tons of people come to see her because, you know, whatever. If you're a vegan place, you got fans, right? They will come to you. Right. So great. No problem. Well, one day she tells me, you know, this is after lunch service. We're, we're sitting down chatting. She's like, hey, um, I, I didn't even think about it, but I put on an old leather jacket. This was in the winter, like in November or something. She's like, I put on a leather jacket and came to work and people saw me and I got a bunch of hate mail and emails and phone calls. People tell me they're never going to eat in my trailer again. And she's like, I had this leather jacket from before I was a vegan and I just didn't even think about it. I put it on and came to work and isn't that crazy? And that's how it is. People like then told her, I'm never coming to eat at your place again. It's too much. And I don't really it's understand too much, right? Yeah. That attitude. And it, it turns a lot of normal people off. I agree. Um, you know, we went to a, a vegan cooking class where we made like vegan queso and we loved it. It's like awesome. But it's not like uh, my whole life will now be centered around this religion of veganism. I, I think it's awesome and it does a lot of good. And I think there should be more credit to people who are trying to get better instead of just being great at it and, and, changing their entire ideology. I, I just think you got to meet people a little more in the middle of that. 
I agree. Um, look, there, there's the honest truth is being a hundred percent vegan is kind of stupid, and I, I'm just I'm gonna you know lay it out here. Th- this is my feelings on it. Like, a- and to be frank with you, it's it's actually impossible to be a hundred percent vegan. Right. So that, that person that's judging you is not even really looking at the reality of things because I guarantee you there was some sort of animal, something getting in somewhere on something they have. Unless they literally live in the woods with a leaf over their privates and kill their squirrels every day, like or not squirrels, I guess, picking plants. Like That's the only way because there's just, there's just in a lot of things you don't even know about. But my thing is most people are vegan or vegetarian the majority of the week that they eat. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say you have a bowl of cereal or you have some of this, or you have an apple for a meal and some fruit and, and this and that and cheese. That's a vegetarian meal. Most people eat. It's not like we're eating 32 ounce steaks three times a day. All of us, like it's all about moderation. It's yeah. about a balanced um, diet. So I don't actually believe in, any of those. I don't believe in 100% veganism or 100% vegetarian or 100% carnivorous diets. I don't believe in any of that. It's all about a balance, getting a little bit of everything um, into your diet. Um, now, th- this is something I'll tell you, Clint, that just because I had a, this some interesting facts I didn't really think about. I had this farmer, a uh, very famous farmer on uh, recently who owns uh, a farm in Virginia called JNL. And I asked him about the veganism. I love asking farmers about that because uh, they'll surprise you with their answers actually. And he said, look, I get it. The morality of animals and dying. And, and I'm with that too. I, I don't want to see animals dying and there's definitely a good way to do it. And, an, and a farmer who has a small farm and they are killing animals ethically, no doubt about it. You know, that, that meat is, is your, your good hands. It's the, it's the factory farming. That's the really what, what farmers have an issue with and the morality behind that. And, and they're with vegans on that. They stand with vegans and me and you, you know, nobody wants to see that happen. Uh, but when you eat it, Taco Bell and McDonald's, that's what you're supporting. That's right. what all that meat comes from. Right. So, but he said, look, the honest truth is, is if we stop raising livestock and just started you know, having, um, you know, f- acres of plants and vegetables. And stuff. He said that actually kills more animals than killing livestock. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, think about it. You have all the, you have to get all these machines to run the fields for all these vegetables and stuff. You saw, you said, you know how many animals die in these machines, little mouse, you know, foxes, birds, you know, little things like that that are going to die just to get these vegetables grown. So animals are going to die more actually than if you're just raising livestock, not doing anything to the land, right? That, that cow, the pigs, the chickens, the goats, the sheep, they're all just walking around naturally. And you, you don't, that's actually less, you know, pressure or whatever on the earth and on less animals die that way, which I thought was a fascinating. I had no idea about that. I, I literally didn't even think of that angle so that's something I'm going to start talking with uh, to vegans about. Definitely uh, more complicated than I think. It's complicated, right? Yeah, it's, I agree. And, and I also feel like if, if the net goal is to alleviate suffering or offset suffering, um, I, I'd rather see the emphasis go to doing that for human beings first. Uh, Good point. Uh, and so, you know, those are just some of the things that roll around my head. If, 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 if people who are smarter than me on either side – like I want to be a part of the conversation about how to be better at all of it. So, um, you know, my wife and I are constantly watching documentaries and doing research and, and 
hoping to evolve, you know, on the issue. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Yeah, you know, look, we all do what we can. I, you know, it's again, I think you bring up a lot of great points, which is don't shame people on whatever choices they make. Maybe they can't live 100% of whatever lifestyle, whatever, but if they're trying, right, if they had a vegan meal or a vegetarian meal, or, or they're just trying, they're just eating more vegetables in general and cutting back a little bit on the meats or, you know, whatever it may be, or the meats they're getting, I'm going to start getting it from the local butcher instead of from, you know, Kroger or HEB or wherever I'm going to go, right? I'm going to start getting it from this local place. That's the best thing people can do, you know, wherever they live. You know, you live in Nashville. We right. live here in Texas. The best thing you can do there in Nashville is to buy locally, right. to buy from any of the, you know, CSAs or, you know, any sort of sprouts or any place like that that, that, that has a collective or farmer's markets. That, that's the best way. It's healthier. It's better for you. And you're supporting a local economy. You know, it's, it's just that that's it. That's how you and I as a just general people, um, you know, can help. And by doing that, it brings it, it would eventually start to bring down the demand for the factory farming, because that's the only way they're going to change that. The demand's there. So why if people don't stop eating at McDonald's, they're not going to stop making the food for it. You know, it's that yeah. simple. Yeah, and hopefully people will start waking up to that soon because uh, people, people, you know, we were watching something from the 90s the other day and someone, I won't name names, but someone who was considered like fat in the 90s looked thin. And we, my wife and I were like, what's going on there? And it's like, man, people are just big now. Um, like what used to be considered big really isn't big anymore compared uh, to 100%, yeah. of Americans, you know, and for me, performing country music a lot across America is like getting a good look at these audiences. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. The, it, this stuff catches up to us, right? Like all those years of all the fast food and TGI Fridays and Outbacks over the last 30 years has caught up to us. I mean, that's the, that's the reality. A lot of, uh, actually a lot of younger people are demanding better food. It's actually the younger millennial generation that has changed the landscape of food. Right. We have we have them to think it's their demand for it, and the Instagram worthy pictures. As much as I hate that aspect of it, it helped the industry a lot, and and made people want to start getting better food and providing better food and plating better food. You know, you you eat with your eyes a lot of times too, so you know it, it should look good as well, not mm. just not just taste good. Um, oh. But you know, yeah, it's a it's you know it, it, the best thing you could do is. The, the amount of time you can give yourself every week on it, do that, whatever it is. If it's, if, if you can make a few fresh meals a week, do that. If you can, you know what I mean? It's just a, whatever you can do ever. Look, we all got shit that we're doing in our lives, uh, you know, families and jobs and bills. And I get it. Look, I don't change my oil on my car. So I'm sure some mechanic is looking at me like he is idiot over here. Can't even change his oil, you know? So it's a sort of the same thing. I go pay for that you know, would I, maybe if I knew more about it, I could take care of my car better and this, that, and the other, you know, maybe so. But with food, that is something we all, you know, intake, right? So I'm just such an advocate for it. I'm always going to be an advocate. I'm always going to push for people to try to eat the best they can. Um, and ju just think about it the most they can. I'm obviously not saying change your whole life and, you know, but, but just think about it the most you can. Right on. I agree. Right. And I had a blast. It's good to meet you and, and uh, good to hear your perspective on stuff. And I hope I didn't bum any of your audience out by talking about food. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. 
Not at all. And yeah, we'll see you on the line, man, for sure. Absolutely, brother. Again, thank you so much. Enjoy Nashville, brother. Stay safe. Stay clean out there. And uh, my best to you and your family. And um, we'll talk soon, brother. As well. Thank you, bud. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at patrick at texasrealfood.com. Um, and don't forget, you can check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts, you'll, you'll find us on there. Or you can just go to our website, go to the thelonestarplate.com, and uh, you can find everything you need there, all the episodes. Um, and you can check us out on YouTube if you want to watch it. You know, we video these, now, you know, on a little webcam here and do the Zoom stuff. And, um, you know, so if you feel like doing it that way, go to the Texas Real Food YouTube channel and you can find it there. Uh, make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Um, and if you, you know, are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. Um, you know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, that would really help us out uh, as well. So if you support, you know, what we're trying to do here. So thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we you know, what's the point of doing this? Um, so if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. All right. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands.